Oh God, today our academy gathers in gratitude ignited by the complexity of your creation. We recognize the discipline of the mind which carries us to the boundaries of the unknown and there captures and precisely articulates discoveries in the sciences and in the arts. We celebrate the discipline of the body for the hand that strokes image on canvas or notes on a score, for strength to leap across finish lines or energy to pen beauty. The Academy values the spirit which births new enterprise, believes the truth, ponders the past, is drawn into faith and revels in generosity. For this Academy, its students, its faculty, its staff, its facility, and for all who uphold this great college with their support, we give you thanks. Amen. Good morning. St. Olaf College dedicates the first Friday of May to recognizing the outstanding academic achievements of our community in a celebration that we call Honors Day. Welcome to all of you who have come to be part of our festivities. I would like to extend a particular welcome to the members of the St. Olaf College Board of Regents. Just concluded a meeting on campus the last two days, and they are demonstrating their commitment to fostering academic excellence by attending Honors Day in academic garb. I invite you to thank them for their service with a round of applause. I now call upon the Provost and Dean of the College, Dr. Marcy Sorter, who will lead us in these proceedings. Marcy? Honored Regents of the College, President Anderson, faculty members, students, and friends and family, we come together in this place to celebrate the best of what is achieved at St. Olaf College. Today is the day to name and honor those students who have distinguished themselves academically. The students recognized today represent academic excellence in four class years and in every discipline. Students, those of you who are honored today are here thanks to hard work and innate skill and also thanks to the help of many others. We will recognize some of these people today but each of you knows who are the friends, professors, mentors, and family members who have given you the skills, or the tools, the helping hand, the emotional support, and sometimes the bracing challenge that has resulted in your presence here today. So, just as we honor you, the students, for your academic accomplishments, this is the day when we honor the many people who have helped bring you to this time and place. We honor the donors, alumni, and friends of the college. Through their gifts of time, talent, and treasure, they open doors for students and sustain the college in its worthy mission. Will the donors of scholarships and awards who are with us today please stand?
Those who establish scholarships and awards are focused directly on student success. So thank you very much for your vision and your strong support of St. Olaf students. We also honor the parents and other family members of students recognized today. Will the parents and family members please stand? Students, long before you came to St. Olaf, to St. Olaf, your family helped set the path that brought you here. So thank you, parents, for the love, guidance, sacrifices, and commitment that you have made to your student. Last, will the St. Olaf faculty please rise? In ways that are obvious now, and in ways that you may not discover for years to come, your professors have been at the foundation of your education. It is their job to lead and sometimes to urge you to lead, to challenge and sometimes to comfort, to fascinate you with their subject, and to insist on accuracy and sound reason. Let us honor the faculty for the part that they play in your achievement. I will now recognize the students who have earned special honors and special awards. And I'm going to ask that you hold your applause until I finished announcing uh, all of the recipients. Fulbright scholars, please stand as I read your names. Eric Becklin, Sarah M. Chow, Julia Coffin, Lisa L. Drury, Zachary K. Erickson, Jonathan J. Henn, Jamie E. Moselle, Cecilia A. Necker, and Fulbright alternate Virginia Ma. And now, will the Goldwater Scholars please stand as I read your names? Benjamin A. Keisling, Sarah M. Ludwig. And now, will next year's Rand Scholar, Christopher Kaufman, please stand to be recognized? And will the senior members of Phi Beta Kappa please stand? Let's congratulate these fine students. who are members of honor societies, please rise as I name your honor society and remain standing until all have been named. Anthropology, Lambda Alpha. Asian Studies, Epsilon Alpha Sigma. Biology, Beta Beta Beta. Chemistry, Phi Lambda Epsilon. Classics, Eta Sigma Phi. Economics, Omicron Delta Epsilon. English, and this is a new honor society this year, Sigma Tau Delta. French, Pi Delta Phi. History, Phi Alpha Theta.
Leadership, Blue Key. Music, Phi Kappa Alpha, uh, sorry, Pi Kappa Lambda. Neuroscience, Nu Rho Psi. Nursing, Sigma Theta Psi and Tai. Philosophy, Phi Sigma Tau. Physics, Sigma Pi Sigma. Political science, Pi Sigma Alpha. Psychology, Psi Chai. Religion, Theta Alpha Kappa. Russian language and area studies, Dobroslovo. Service, Alpha Phi Omega. Sociology, Alpha Kappa Delta. Theater, Alpha Psi Omega. And now, will those students receiving general honors please rise by class and remain standing until all have been recognized? Class of 2012. Class of 2013. Class of 2014. Class of 2015. And international students who have distinguished themselves. Let's congratulate these folks. A large number of students listed in the program are recipients of scholarships and awards provided by designated gifts to the college. The names of those donors are listed at the end of today's program. Will all students here today who have received named scholarships please rise and let us give thanks to those in whose name they in honor rising. And now it is my great pleasure to introduce to you our Honors Day speaker, Andrea Ian, Associate Professor of Music. Andrea Ian holds the Doctor of Musical Arts degree in Violin Performance and Literature from the University of Illinois. She joined the St. Olaf College Music Faculty in 1977 after teaching at Southwest Missouri University, the University of Tampa, Eckerd College, and having played for three years in the first violin section of the Florida Symphony Orchestra. At St. Olaf College, she conducted the St. Olaf Chamber Orchestra, now Philharmonia, for 17 years, introduced the study of Hardanger fiddle and taught violin, viola, chamber music, and ethnomusicology. As a chamber musician, she is a founding violinist of two piano trios, the Camarato, Camarata Trio, and the St. Olaf Trio with performances in Puerto Rico and Costa Rica. Since 1985, she has played with the Minnesota Opera Orchestra at the Ordway in St. Paul, becoming a core or tenured member of the first violin section in 1992. 
And between 2008 and 2011, she performed on both violin and viola at the Bridge Chamber Music Festivals. Andrea Ian has presented over 200 recitals on the Hardanga fiddle in the upper Midwest and has been a featured performer on Norwegian national television. In 1987, she was presented with the second Ole Bull Award from the Ole Bull Folk Academy in Voss, Norway, for her transmission of the Hardanger fiddle tradition in the United States. And she has been named a master folk artist by the Minnesota State Arts Board. For her promotion of greater knowledge of Norwegian culture abroad, Ian received the St. Olaf Medal given by King Harold V of Norway in 2002. Two Hardanger fiddle concerti have been composed for her, and she has performed them with the St. Olaf Orchestra, the Minneapolis Civic Orchestra, the Rochester Symphony Orchestra, as well as our own St. Olaf Chamber Orchestra. And in 2009, she made a return engagement um, with the Minnesota Orchestra at Orchestra Hall. A highlight of her fiddle career was being asked to lead the King and Queen of Norway into the ballroom at the Hilton Hotel in Minneapolis this past October. Ian composed a royal march and played for it to the assembled guests at a dinner sponsored by the Royal Norwegian Consulate, and happily, the private secretary to the King, Knut Brakstad, was present as he was Ian's first Hardanger fiddle student at St. Olaf College when he spent a year as an exchange student from Norway. Andrea Ian is also a poet and a member of the Northfield Women Poets since the early 1980s. Her poetry has been published in magazines and four anthologies. Her poetry chapbook, Some Days We Name It Love, was published by Haywood Press in 1994. Andrea Ian will speak to us today on It's Not Over Until Life Lessons from the Opera Pit. President Anderson, Dean Sorter, members of the Board of Regents, faculty colleagues, distinguished guests, and honor students. It is a personal honor and a delight to be here today to celebrate the academic and artistic success of so many of our students. When I arrived at St. Olaf College in 1977, I was amazed at the workplace ethic of excellence that pervaded every aspect of the college, from the Green Army those were the people on the grounds crew, I guess we don't call them the Green Army anymore, to the teaching and research of the faculty. I was excited by the passion and commitment that my students had for making music. My first impressions have been strengthened over the last 35 years. Today, St. Olaf College is a learning community of the first rank, with a national and often international reputation for the highest standards of achievement. This high bar has been set, for the most part, by my fine faculty colleagues. Thank you for making me proud to be a part of your rank. And congratulations, honor students, for rising to meet the standard the faculty have set for you. I wish St. Olaf well in the future as it reinvents itself to meet changing needs while keeping hold of that which is precious 
from our Lutheran and Norwegian American heritages. No easy task in today's world. I chose the opera pit as my life metaphor today because it is an exotic locale for many of you. Patrons often stare at us like we are rare animals in a zoo when they peer into the pit at intermission. I am tempted to say, please throw peanuts. I have performed in the opera pit of the Ordway in St. Paul for 27 years as a member of the Minnesota Opera Orchestra, a tenured core orchestra of 47 musicians with additional players for large shows extending often to 70 or more players. I began in the viola section, moved through the second violin section, and arrived in 1992 in the rarefied heights of the first violin section. Next stop is the angelic chorus though not anytime soon. <laughs> the pit of any theater is a dark, crowded place where, in partial view of the audience, the orchestra plays for three to four hours at a time, usually unnoticed and unheralded. For years, the music reviewer of the Star Tribune forgot to mention the orchestra unless he had a dark criticism. The simple fact that the divas would be unable to perform without us seemed inconsequential to this august writer. In Norwegian, the term for opera pit is grave or grave, which sums it up nicely. <laughs> the challenges of playing healthy in the pit are numerous. We wear earplugs and have clear plastic shields behind our string sections to protect us from the trumpets, sorry Marty, and percussion battery at full blast. In one production, a cloud of dry ice drifted down into the pit, obscuring the music and causing a collective coughing fit. <laughs> In The Postman Always Rings Twice by Stephen Paulus, a steeply raked stage and a riotous love scene on a kitchen table set off an avalanche of props into the pit, hitting my viola. A larger net was subsequently installed for future performances. A violin colleague of mine fell backwards off a platform and down a half flight of stairs when his chair legs slipped. Luckily, neither he nor his violin was hurt badly. The women's locker room turns into a yoga class during intermission as muscle knots are stretched and soothed so we can play the next act. Life lesson number one, protect your health and well-being in the workplace. Opera is a lot like life, only more so. There are tragic leitmotifs common to many plots. Our past seasons seem to focus on suicide, Butterfly, Lucia de Lammermoor, and Massenet's Werther. Next season, we feature decapitations. <laughs> We're doing Turandot and Anna Bolena. Dealing with fear while performing an exacting art form is a daily struggle. There is unhealthy fear that paralyzes the body and mind and makes it impossible to play or sing well. And then there is what I will call healthy fear that is an effective cure for laziness. To prepare an opera part that in our section often runs over 100 pages per opera, it is necessary to begin practicing long before the first rehearsal, to come early for each performance to warm up, and to go over those tough spots. Meticulous preparation is the best antidote to abject fear. 
Dark chocolate is also helpful. <laughs> we use it as an emergency snack during the second intermission. In all cases, we musicians strive ecumenically for sins of omission, not commission. Life lesson number two. Healthy fear is an effective motivator for all, especially procrastinators. Opera does not always give you the chance for a rehearsal. The chosen ones are those who are ready when that big break comes. On opening night of Silent Night, the recent Pulitzer Prize-winning opera, which we premiered last fall, the tenor, suffering from laryngitis, acted the part on stage, while the excellent cover, as they are called in the business, sang from the edge of the stage in full view of the audience. They took joint bows at the end of the show. On another occasion, a disembodied voice from the pit sang the German words of the Merry Widow, while the singer acted on stage, and voiced the English dialogue, which strangely went in between the singing. It was very odd. <laughs> An unusual feat was performed by our former conductor, Anthony Walker. In the middle of a performance, he filled in for an indisposed tenor, simultaneously singing the lead role and conducting the orchestra from the pit of the Pittsburgh Opera. He made international news. <laughs> Lesson number three. Be prepared and ready to shine when life puts you in the limelight suddenly. Repetition is the bane of a pit musician's life. The Minnesota Opera performs each opera five to eight times. Every night, the audience deserves the same excellence. I have concluded that it takes a lot of umchuk chucks to get to the good parts, especially if you play second violin or viola. Hum our college rally cry, um ya ya, and you will get what I mean. Um chuck chuck, 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 um chuck chuck chuck. And when that rhythm goes on for three pages, eyes glaze over in the opera pit. Life lesson number four every job has its boring parts. Deal with it. <laughs> I have a surefire cure for seasonal affective disorder in Minnesota. Go to an opera where people are screaming in Italian about problems that dwarf your own. Remember decapitations? Probably not on your major list of issues at the moment. The vicarious joy of hearing about love, betrayal, pain, and grief sung in Italian with shimmering orchestral colors will send you home with a bounce in your step and an aria in your heart. The corollary to this, avoid seeing the ring cycle in January. <laughs> Life lesson number five. If you are prone to brooding, as many of us are, seek out Mediterranean language productions and cultures livelier than your own. If you are Scandinavian, this is not difficult to do. <laughs> the maestro or conductor of the orchestra is the crucial link between the stage and the pit. Our affectionate names for a few tell the tale. SpongeBob. Maestro, don't you love my hair? I'm in your face, baby. And Mr. Pizzicato. 
One of our memorable conductors was a very gifted musician who groaned in passionate ecstasy when he got excited. On opening night, something clattered to the floor after hitting the podium during a pregnant pause. I looked up to see whether the maestro had dropped his baton, a fairly common occurrence in the pit where batons often take wing over the orchestra. (laughs) But no, it was still safely in his hand. At intermission, we found out from the principal players that a stray tooth had exited his mouth (laughs) and rolled under the podium. The long-suffering assistant conductor had been sent into the pit to crawl around and find it. (laughs) All was well the next night until, in a moment of musical frenzy, the tooth was expectorated forcibly, hitting the principal violist, an attractive woman with whom the maestro had been trying, rather unsuccessfully, to flirt in rehearsals. (laughs) Life lesson number five. When in exalted places of leadership, you must be sure that all parts of you are secured firmly before you embark on a workplace flirtation. (laughs) Finally, the most important life lesson to learn of all is to show up every day and play your part. The sum of the parts in opera is never equal to the power of the whole. Opera demands an astonishing conjunction of all art forms, dance, theater, art, literature, as well as great singing actors, chorus, and orchestra. It is a miracle when all of these myriad elements come together, as they did so beautifully in our recent Madame Butterfly production. Kelly Caduce, a 1996 graduate of St. Olaf, sang the title role. Fifteen years after graduating from here, she gave a passionate, glowing portrayal of a woman in love who is betrayed twice, first by her lover who marries another, and then by the necessity of giving up her only child to him. Her superlative acting and the dark-hued richness of her voice created a world-class performance. Rilke said in his third sonnet to Orpheus, Gesang is Dasein, song is reality. I love that, song is reality. Opera may be a heightened reality, but it arrives at that deep place of shared human emotion in a powerful manner that very few other art forms can match. Opera reminds all of us to pay attention to love in all of its manifestations and to be mindful of the transcendent moment in our lives. Here are three of my great opera memories from the pit. The reconciliation mixed with world-weary resignation at the close of Richard Strauss's Der Rosenkavalier surely among the most beautiful 15 minutes ever composed. The choral incantation of forgiveness at the end of Mozart's Marriage of Figaro, when all infidelities are forgotten and love's vows are renewed. And the thrill of new cultural connections in the swinging, jazzy climax to Act I in John Adams' Nixon in China, a modern masterpiece. Opera, like all great art, can inspire us to play our part and to sing our song, to join together to create a greater humanity that has empathy and compassion for each other. As I wrote in a poem entitled Body Music, sing as if your life depended on it, even when you cannot hear your song above the noise. Thank you.
Thank you, Andrea, for a talk that was both funny and wise. I'd like to add my warmest and heartfelt congratulations to every student honored today for the excellence of their academic work. Congratulations. Well done. I'd also like to add my personal and heartfelt thanks to everyone in this room who made a student's experience at St. Olaf possible by making a gift to endow a scholarship and to recognize their achievement with an award. Again, thank you. Well done. In a moment, I will invite you all to rise to sing From From and then to remain standing for the benediction and the departure of the platform party. But I'd also like to invite you at this moment to uh, come to a reception in the crossroads of Buntrock Commons. Immediately following the ceremony, uh, we'll have coffee and uh, obligatory cookies and pastries. So please, let's rise and sing from from. of this day of celebration remind you of God's grace and send you on your way to serve in gladness.